Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, I am thrilled today to have on Faggy Murray, who is the creative mastermind of My Kitchen, My Studio, very popular food blogger and editor for a very popular magazine. Um, now, Faggy, the amazing thing that we that I took away from this, besides a lot of great information about food, is how to follow your dreams and how it sounds like when you're actually plugged into like what you're supposed to be doing. So, so many of us kind of wander around and say, you know, is this right? Is it not? You drag yourself to the office. She loves what she does. And maybe you're not a foodie. Maybe you're not a food blogger. Maybe you don't like Instagram. Maybe you don't have Instagram. But Everyone wants to click into their purpose, and that's truly what comes out here. How do you build a support network? How do you start on an entrepreneurial journey? How do you really bring happiness and passion into the work that you do? So with no further ado, I'm thrilled to have on Fakey Well, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast has been brought to you by me, Jacob Rupp, and Jacob Rupp's Consulting, uh, Technically Lift Your Legacy. Now, I have to be honest, I help clients often get out of their own way. And something that has really held me up was exactly the same thing that I was in my own way. For months, people have been saying, you know, talk about your coaching, talk about how you help people, share it, etc. And I had a really hard time putting it out there. Why? Because it's not that I don't think I do a great job. I've seen amazing results from my clients, you know, 10x, uh, more than that, businesses, fixed relationships, um, helped people lose a lot of weight, people go on the path of, of making goals and fulfilling their goals, all of these things. I know I do it. And I've been in the coaching space long enough to know that there's a lot of people that don't really deliver. And the ones that do really deliver are, are worth literally their, their weight in gold because so often we're held back by stuff. And it's just like, if only I could get over that, if only I could work through that. And I help people do that. But for me, my big holdup was sharing that I do this in a big way, in a public way, especially on the podcast, because it's awkward. I don't want people to think, oh, I'm just making the podcast to, to sell you stuff or to talk about stuff. So that, that's not what I'm doing. Um, my point is like this. My coaching business is expanding. I'm taking on a few more clients. If you are someone that is struggling in the area of self-esteem, goal setting, health, relationships, or your, or your business, really, um, reach out. I don't know if we're a good fit to work with each other. What I can guarantee you is that we'll get on the phone for half an hour. Uh, I'll hear the kind of challenges you're having. You'll get a good feel, if you don't know me yet, of the kind of work I do, kind of program I would recommend for you. And if it's a great fit, we'll move forward. And if not, not. But I wanted to appreciate very much from the bottom of my heart, the fact that you guys all listen. I appreciate the amazing guests that I have. And I'm really thrilled to have broken through in my own life to the point where I could actually devote a segment to really make a somewhat long-winded, but I think very important advertisement. So if you want to reach out to me, the email is rabbi, R-A-B-B-I, Rupp at gmail.com. And the website is liftyourlegacy.live and at lift, your legacy, lift underscore your underscore legacy on Instagram. 
I think it's pretty simple. You, you know where to find me because you found the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. You are an editor and you are the creative genius behind my kitchen, my studio, an amazing uh, artist, if you would, of, of culinary, of culinary, of the, of the culinary world. Tell me a little bit about how you first got interested in food and the role that it takes in our lives. Okay. Well, my entire life, ever since I was a little kid, I was always obsessed with food, obsessed with cooking. Um, as a very little girl, I used to go to my grandmother's house, who I actually have her love and passion for cooking. I would just stand by her side for hours, just watching her cook, watching her work. Um, and any questions that I ever had, I always went to her and asked her. Um, my mom is not much of a cook. She's more of a traditionalist, you know, make the same amazing things again and again. But I just wanted to kind of branch out and explore. And I always used to tell people jokingly, you know, one day you're going to see me on Food Network. And not Food Network, but here I am in my kitchen, my studio. Um, and then, you know, kind of as I got older, I would slowly kick my mother out of the kitchen and do more and more. And she loved it because I was helping her. And my family loved it because they loved my cooking. And it was just kind of like a win-win situation. And um, actually, for the first 15 years of my life after high school, I taught. I thought I was going to be a teacher for the rest of my life. But even then, I was always constantly sharing recipes, talking about recipes. Every time I went, to, I never went somewhere without walking away with a recipe from either the host or the caterer or whatever it was. And I just, two years ago, two and a half years ago, my baby was born and my husband told me, don't go back to work, pursue your photography career. I'm also a family photographer. I've been doing that for about six years on the side and kept debating back and forth whether I should grow my business, make that a full-time thing or just, you know, keep to just doing what I was doing, teaching and working um, and then after the baby was born, it just with babysitting and everything didn't make sense. He said, Faggy, take six months off, pursue your photography. I said, there's so much competition here. I'm not, I'm not doing it. He said, six months after six months, you can easily get a desk job. Let's give it a shot. And he was actually the one that pushed me to start my Instagram page. And I had exactly two years ago, March 27th, I had 10 recipes ready to go. Pictures taken. Um, recipes typed out and I was terrified and he said to me what's the worst thing that can happen Instagram is not firing you so you don't get followers and then it just you know kind of floats away and you know I told my friends that I was doing it a bunch of chats that I'm on I said I was doing it and I had 10 followers 20 followers 30 and then this morning I hit 66,000 6600 sorry so it's very very exciting for me it's what's amazing. that what's that feeling what's that feeling like to to see this this movement like grow it's so euphoric so unbelievably surreal that i'm doing what i love you know and i always tell people excuse all the clichés that are coming out of my mouth now but follow your dreams do something that you love i i love doing it so much um Right before Purim, I was extremely overwhelmed and very, very busy with work. And I was in the middle of uh, three photo shoots at once and a bunch of recipes. And just, my kitchen was, looked like a war zone. And I told my husband, I said, that's it. I'm done. I said, I'm going to start outsourcing all my work. I can't do it all. And then I pulled a dish out of the oven and I started squealing. And he's like, oh my gosh, what happened? What's wrong? I said, nothing. This is amazing. And I was just like blown away by how the dish had come out because I wasn't sure if it would work. And he said, Faggy, guess what? <laughs> You're not hiring anybody. He's like, you love what you do too much. 
to be able to outsource it. He's like, just continue what you're doing and love what you're doing. And it's just, it's really been such an amazing, amazing journey. And I get to meet so many unbelievable people and the whole food world is just amazing. And I just, I'm so happy that I get to bring happiness to other people by sharing my recipes with them. So it's really, it's been just an unbelievable blessing. That's what I just keep saying again and again. You know, Amazing. I'm very lucky. Amazing. Quick question. I, I hear like background noise. Is that, is there, do you hear on your end or no? No, there's nothing going on in my house now. You're not hearing anything right now? No. Okay. Well, hopefully, great. Okay, perfect. Um, okay. okay. So, so just one second. Okay. So let, let's, let's scroll back. Okay. I'm, I would, I will have edited this part out. Um, tell me a little bit about the concept of training. One of the things you didn't mention, you mentioned you have a wonderfully supportive husband. You mentioned that, you know, some people might not think that, you know, starting your entrepreneurial career when you, when you are, you know, a, a new, a, you know, like a mom, you know, it might be a little bit challenging. You said, no, this is the right thing to do. You have love and passion behind the photography that you take, the, the, the food that you make. What about training? Like you're a photographer, you're a chef, you know, these are a lot of things that people might look at you and say, well, I don't know how to do that. So were you classically trained? Did you teach yourself a lot? Like how did you walk that, that um, balance between like executing and getting educated? Okay, so as far as food goes, I have no education in food other than the occasional YouTube video. Um, you know, or asking my mother, my grandmother, friends, you know, questions. No culinary school, nothing like that. Nothing. Wow. Nope. <laughs> wow. Okay, great. Um, and as far as photography goes, so my father is actually a photographer. He's been a photographer for about 40 plus years. Um, so when I picked up a camera, I wasn't totally unused to seeing a camera. I grew up seeing my father using a camera his whole life. I mean, back then it was all negatives and you know, the real processing and whatever. So any question that I ever had, I would call my father and ask him. So I guess I could say that I was homeschooled. There was a point when I thought about, you know, taking a professional photography course. And there's a school in New York that does like it through correspondence and online. I gave them a call a couple years ago and, you know, I had a chat with them and they said to me, you are way too far gone. You don't need training. You need little tweaks here and there, but you know too much to get professional training. So it's really, really a lot of just trial and error, picking up the camera, seeing what works, Googling if I have a specific question, calling my father hysterical, why are my pictures of bad lighting and things like that. And I see myself every day that every day I pick up my camera, I get a little bit better because it's really about experience because it's such a hands-on um, activity or, you know, whatever you want to call it, that it's really, I could read every book under the sun and I have taken out every book from the library, but until you're holding a camera in your hand and actually, you know, snapping that shutter, it's, it's very hard to, you know, I'm a very visual hands-on person. So I really learned just from experience. So talk to me a little bit about going through the process. Maybe I think it'd be fascinating for, for, for a lot of people, you know, you see the you know, beautifully executed dish on Instagram or you're, you know, you're flipping through your favorite food magazine or, you know, the Mishpaka family thing and you see all this beautiful food and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, how does it ever look like that? Walk me through, I guess you could say your creative process from kind of figuring out what you're going to cook to which recipes you want to use, how much of it is creative, how much is it execution? And then how do you take it from 
you know, coming out of a, a of a, of an oven to the you know fully plated experience. Okay, so a lot of my recipes, basically all my recipes, I my goal is when I make recipes that they're normal, they're realistic, and it's actually ingredients that you could find in a grocery store. So I don't, you know, say endive. I'm going to take an endive and make a crazy salad with it. And people are going to be DMing me like nuts trying to figure out how can I find this recipe? I'm not looking to be unique. I'm looking to be good that somebody can scroll through my page and say, Hey, I want to make that. And I had so many recipes, even before I started blogging, I had so many recipes that I had built up of good, solid recipes, you know, with a twist here, a twist there, but that's really where the basis of my recipe developing started that yes i'm making the basic shabbos chicken i'm making your potato cocoa i'm making your apple cake but and that's really what i'm posting but hey let's put strawberries into the apple cake haven't seen that done yet or you know there's not it's really just a matter of things that my creative juices so to speak flow where what do i want to feed my family and then i send it on to my instagram family that's really how it starts. It's, some, it's things that I want to feed my family that I know my family will like to eat, my guests will want to eat. And then when I make them, I try them out and I see that they work. And then I put it onto Instagram. Um, as far as actually executing recipes, some recipes are either easier than others to post. Um, for example, chicken, as much as I love chicken, um, it's very hard. Chicken is not photogenic at all. So I'm hesitant to post recipes with chicken for that very reason, because it's not an easy food to style. Um, I actually have three chicken recipes that I have to photograph today and I keep pushing it off. Um, but it's, it's really, I, I kind of go into my head, go into the camera and say, how do I want to present it? How do I want people to see it that they should look at this blueberry cake and say, Hey, I want to make it. Um, you know, I find that when you put some aspects of the ingredients on the picture, like some blueberries drizzled around or like some crumbs that I use for the cake in like a little dish, it helps people visualize the cake better and put it all together versus just a piece of cake. So sometimes I do, I do both. Um, you know, a lot of Googling helps me, Pinterest, I get a lot of inspiration from, and just every time I go to the library, I just take out tons of cookbooks and I just get, there's so much inspiration out there. I was just in Target yesterday. Every time I go to Target, I walk through the olives and see the colors that are in the season and what works and what doesn't. And, you know, is ceramic in, is crystal in, is wood in, all these, you know, different um, components for dishes, what works and what goes and what flows. I go to stores, I walk around stores, I look at outside and I see just, I, I get inspiration everywhere. I'm constantly thinking in my head ideas and things of how to style my pages and set up my pages. So it's really, it's, it's interesting because I think you're suggesting that there's not really, you know, everyone's sort of in this quest for this work-life balance, but to be truly creative. You're never really off the clock because never, never, but then on the other hand, you're never really on the clock because even if you're, you know, knee deep down and working, like you're really, you're, you're feeling that it's a creative expression. Yes. I mean, to the point that my rabbi actually told me that he prefers that I not read cookbooks on Chavez because it's straight up business related. And I'm like, no, but I love reading cookbooks. He says, but do you plan and get ideas in your head when you read cookbooks and magazines on Chavez? And I'm like, oh, yeah. He's like, there you go. It's, 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 
consider it a business meeting when you're sitting with, you know, 10 cookbooks on the couch, Shabbos afternoon. He's like, that's a business meeting for you. I'm like, yeah, I kind of see your point. Um, how has the culinary world in the Jewish world changed or is it developing? Like, you, you know, you're kind of on this, this, this wave of people that are now, you have a much more conscien- conscious kosher consumer. And, you know, we, we familiar, we, you know, people see the Food Network and they know, you know, they, they see, have Instagram and they see all the beautiful dishes. Is it, is it, is it changing? Like, how do we, you know, like, what is, like, what does food look like now that it didn't say 10 years ago? The Jewish kosher food world has exploded, like beyond belief. Um, you know, just yesterday on the Instagram page, I was in the grocery store and I was marveling at absolutely everything that is actually available for Pesach. Ten years ago, you had lady fingers and ketchup, nothing else. And now there's anything and everything. You're lacking nothing. Um, the restaurants that we eat in, you know, you had your pizza shop and you had your burger joints. But now what they have today is not only just high-end restaurants where you can get a fancy burger or a steak, you have every type of cuisine with, you know, but within the kosher market. And even us food bloggers, you know, I typically like to stick to more traditional-ish type dishes, but so many of us kosher food bloggers have really, you know, branched out and, and brought such unbelievable unique dishes to the table um you know for everybody for all of us it's just it's been we've exploded we 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 way past graduated you know the matzo ball soup and briskets it's it's you know and even in the non-jewish magazines where you know let's say for example a food network magazine which i love and i buy every month um you know right before pesach they always have a whole section on you know kosher for pesach food and hanukkah and every single year, year in, year out, they used to post matzo ball soup and borscht and, and a brisket with onions, but now they're not anymore. They're posting delicious kosher recipes that are not just, you know, to the standard cliche Jewish food. And you see it, you see that the world has just, the kosher world has just exploded and it's just been unbelievable and amazing and so much fun. So, so for those who are not in a uh, you know culinary capital like I don't know New York or Lakewood or Los Angeles, you know, and 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 for a lot of people, the Jewish food is still, you know, matzo ball soup and and brisket. Is there a process if someone wants to expand their their palate, their kosher palate, and and you know maybe try something new? Like, what's that? How would you how would you start to implement those kinds of things in in your life? I mean, is it is it a matter of you know you pick up like an Italian cookbook and then think you know how do I make this kosher? Or is there a different strategy that you would uh, that you would suggest if a person wants to start bringing more excitement into the kitchen? So I actually lived in Minnesota for seven years, where you know you couldn't. There was a lot of things that were not accessible, and that's exactly what I did. I would pick up an Italian cookbook. I would watch a Food Network show and go. How can I make this kosher? Oh, this is de- this chicken is delicious, but hey, it has cheese in it. All right, I'll skip the cheese. Or, you know, this item calls for pork. Well, you know what? Smoked turkey, smoked turkey breast is pretty similar component to pork, so I'll just swap it out. Oh, I can't use bacon. Great, I'll just, you know, grill some pastrami instead. So there's definitely many ways that I was able to um, kind of swap things out if I wanted to make something, you know, and then as, as also, you know, I made um, a beef stroganoff, which typically calls for sour cream, 
I just used a non-dairy sour cream and it was delicious and it worked. You know, I did once have chicken Parmesan with fake Parmesan and I, no, not my, I said, you know what, I'm just going to keep chicken, chicken. I, I did not. And it was, you know, it was at a very high end private party that I was at and the caterer was unbelievable, but just that food combination just didn't work for me. And I said, I'm just gonna, you know, keep those separate. But when I post recipes to my Instagram page, I always ask myself, are these items easily accessible? If there is a specific item that I know is easily accessible on the East Coast, for example, I will either write in brackets, if you cannot get a hold of so-and-so, use this instead, or I won't, or I'll just, I won't post the recipe because it's not fear to post the recipe when I have followers literally all over the world that they can't get this one specific sauce or company. I mean, if I'm working for a company, then it's an advertisement and it's a sponsored ad, that's, you know, one thing. But if I can't find a specific sauce or something, it's not fear to my followers that don't live in the tri-state area. You know, so I really, really, really try to keep my recipes as open-ended as possible that my followers can make it regardless of where they live. Do you have any strategies? Is this part of, part of like what you're thinking about in terms of, you know, there's a big push now into the world of like being health conscious and, you know, the, the classic Jewish foods are like terribly unhealthy. And to what extent are, are you thinking about trying to put a healthy spin on an old classic that wasn't healthy or just in general transitioning Jewish families from, you know, kind of very heavy dishes to stuff that's a little bit fresher or, you know, healthy. Right. So um, I don't consider myself like a health, you know, super health conscious person, but I don't consider myself an unhealthy person either. You know, I do cook with oil. I do cook with carbs and whatever, but I can easily um, swap things out. For example, last week I made pizza for my kids. It's their all time favorite supper. I made it with spelt flour. I didn't say anything to them. They didn't even know the difference. They loved the pizza and it was great. And everybody was happy. Every single night for supper, there was salad on the table, regardless of what I serve. I keep jars of homemade salad dressing in my fridge, um, which is another thing that I like to make things homemade. I'm not the type of person that's going to make homemade mayo, but I'll use low-fat mayo and I'll have the homemade salad dressing because I know what I'm putting in. I very often make my own bread. Um, I've, you know, I have an easy recipe on my page that just works because I know what's in my bread. You go to the grocery store, there's bread you know, the ingredient section is, is so long, you don't even know where it starts and stops and half the things you can't even read. Um, I do very strongly believe in um, being realistic with my kids. If I told my kids that they can only eat healthy, then I know the second they leave the house or the second I walk out of the kitchen, they are shoving that licorice and chips and, and fruit roll up down their throat. So I do believe in a very wonderful all you know healthy balance with my kids um you know sometimes i'll serve a huge grilled chicken salad for supper and sometimes i'll make schnitzel when i make french fries i'll bake it instead of frying it i you know i do little things here or there but i don't make myself crazy to you know be a hundred percent wholesome and healthy i just try to have like a good healthy balance well i think i think that's interesting because you know in a lot of a lot of times the, the extreme um, practices that are, you know, in the home end up leading, yeah, like you said, to a lot of abuse. So if it's like, 
you know, soda is absolutely prohibited in the house, then you'll find the kids, you know, will go drink the soda outside the house. Whereas if it's like, you know, this is, I, I think it's an important point that, you know, like the parents modeling healthy behavior or, you know, you're saving soda for Shabbos or whatever it might be, you know, so it's not like prohibited, but it's also, you know, you're just kind of teaching basic moderation, I think is, is a right. very healthy, very healthy thing. Amazing. Um, what's your favorite thing to cook? If, if I was going to say, you know, make a dish, what would that, what would that be? And is it something that you would try something new or do you want to go back to like a classic and like, what really excites you? Is it baking? Is it, is it, is it meats? Like, how does that work? Okay. So, um, I love, love, love to cook more so than baking. I do put a lot of baking on my page because I know that people love it. And my kids obviously love, you know, the cookies and the cakes in the, in the cookie jar, but, um, I love to cook so much more because baking is a science. So I can't just say, hey, I'm not in the mood of baking soda today, so I'm going to skip it. That doesn't work. You know, the cake is going to flop. But if I'm cooking chicken for supper and I'm not in the mood of garlic and I skip it, the chicken will still be delicious. You know, so you really have that. So cooking, you can cook with love and you can cook with passion more so than you can do that with baking. Um, so I love, love, love to cook. I mean, I always say jokingly, the first thing that I do the second I get into my kitchen is I chop an onion and I start, you know, sauteing an onion. Because that's what every Jewish mama needs to do, saute an onion, because it'll go somewhere. Um, when you ask me the question, instinctively, the first thing that pops into my head is potato kugel. I love making potato kugel. I love eating it. I love serving it. Um, Why? Because it's like, because your child, like, explain that a little bit. I, I don't know. It's just that comfort food that's just always so good. I guess I grew up with it. My mother always made potato kugel. Um, you know, it's just, it's that thing. I guess I... How, became, how do you, do you change, sorry to interrupt you. Do you like change the recipe or you're making it the same time each time? Um, the most that I'll change as far as the recipe is I'll use a different grater. Like sometimes the potatoes will be pureed and sometimes it'll be grated depending if I want a crunchier kugel or not. But it's more or less really the same recipe, um, you know, and then sometimes I'll throw in meat in it, which I'll, you know, create more of like a yapchik style um, potato kugel. But it's really, it's really, really the same recipe that I've been making since I've been making potato kugel in, from my high school days. Um, you know, I love making it. I'm making a good chicken. I love making a good chicken and potato dish, you know, like a real Hungarian Paprikash chicken is something that I just absolutely love making. Um, macaroni and cheese, like just real good comfort food that I see the smiles on the faces of the people that I'm serving. And that's just like, it makes me so happy. That's fantastic. What's, what's next for you? What's next for me? Um, I'm working on potentially getting some accounts, you know, and just really pushing out my business there, you know, just growing it. And I know for myself that when I don't put pressure on myself and I don't, you know, create that pressure that I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to be at 10,000 followers, I have to have 10 clients right now, I work better that way when I just let, like, things kind of naturally take its course and naturally flow. Um, but, you know, I'm just constantly making, upkeeping my Instagram page, making sure that my followers are happy, Posting recipes, um, working on my shoeless, um, you know, my shoeless recipes and my shoeless tablescape. I just hired somebody to help me with them. That's a big part of my magazine that I work in. Um, I do tablescapes um, for the Yemen Tovin. So 
I'm working on my shoeless one and I'm already planning, you know, summer recipes. I'm just, you know, loving what I do. Outstanding. I love to hear it. Okay. Fantastic. Maggie, how do people hear more, learn more about you, contact you and follow what you're doing? Um, they can check out my Instagram page, my kitchen, my studio. I'm always on there. I'm always posting recipes. I'm actually now for Pesach. I'm not sure hundred percent when this podcast is going up, but I created a hashtag for Pesach called MKMSP, which stands for my kitchen, my studio Passover. Um, and they follow that hashtag. And I went through every single one of my 400 plus recipes and I hashtagged the ones that are kosher for Pesach. So I did the tedious work for you. And, you know, I always answer my DMs, any questions that people have. I'm always here, whether it's just being overwhelmed in the kitchen and needing help, needing help organizing with menus or actual culinary question. I'm always, always there for you guys. Amazing. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for the time. I greatly appreciate it. Such an honor. Thank you so much. There you have it, folks, another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, We have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.